good morning. Welcome to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into the Word, study it together, and apply it to our lives. Today we pick up our study in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6. And uh, our section today really starts with verse 41 through 52. Uh, but I'd like to start back at verse 40 because I'm not sure if we actually covered it yesterday. Um, but but it's a great summary of what Jesus is uh, uh, this first part of his teaching was yesterday uh, that we covered. Verse 40, if you'll read it with me, it says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes him will have eternal life, and I myself will, rise him, will raise him up on the last day. I mean, that's a great summary statement of what Jesus, of what we really talked about yesterday, is, is that uh, uh, there are two aspects or two sides of, uh, of of salvation really there's two there's two elements of it and, and there is the divine sovereignty uh, and then there's also the human responsibility and if if we only had verse 40 then the teaching of John's gospel regarding salvation would be based on human decision uh, but when we put this in with verse 37, Alongside of verse 40, we see the two parts there um, that, that are brought together in the person and response uh, of people to Jesus. And that is, our response to him reveals the truth about ourselves in relation to God, and thus whether or not we share in God's eternal life. Uh, there is a, uh, a God's divine action on our behalf in sa- saving and a personal response to that. And this continues in our read, in our reading today. Um, so, so that's what Jesus said yesterday. And then, and then he, he, verse 41, that's where we pick up today. He says, therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Uh, so the Jews are starting to grumble. Why? Well, Jesus is drawing a pretty strong parallel uh, with, uh, with Moses again with the Israelites uh, as they were fed by manna in the wilderness. And, and uh, uh, look at verse 42. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I've come down from heaven? See, see, they look at Jesus and they say, Well, we know his origin story. We know his mom and his dad. Um, how can he say, he must be a madman to say, I've come down from heaven? They are thinking, uh, well, since we know his earthly parents, um, they, he can't be what he claims he is. And, and this helps highlight the central claim that Jesus has been making uh, about his 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 divine origin. Uh, we see in uh, 6.33, uh, and then again in verse 38, and then again in verse 41, and in verse 50, and in verse 51, and verse 58. Time and time again, Jesus is making this claim this, this claim that he has a divine origin. And also the fact that the divine has come amongst uh, uh, us within humanity. Uh, there is the, the incarnation. Uh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us as John started with his prologue. So, so they're just not buying it. They're not getting it. They're having a hard time with what Jesus is saying. But look at how Jesus answers them. He, he says in verse 43, he says, Hey guys, uh, do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
Let's pause there once again and, and think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus calls on these guys to stop grumbling and not repeat the pattern of their ancestors, but instead respond in faith. In effect, it's a call to repent, but the only way they could stop grumbling would be to become receptive of his teaching, of his teaching about himself. And this they are going to show that they're incapable of doing. Now, Jesus says that by their response, they are judging themselves. Look at verse um, uh, verse 45. Uh, it, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Look, Jesus says that their response, by their response, they're judging themselves. And their rejection of him reveals their relationship with God. Because no one can come to me unless the Father has sent him or draws him to me, uh, as he had said in verse 37. And now he restates that teaching uh, from the point of view of the Father's work to the believer. And by repeating his promise to raise the believer in the last day, Jesus is claiming to be one who fulfills the promises of resurrection in the age to come. This is going to be a huge claim that Jesus is making. Jesus goes on and explains his teaching uh, about the role of the Father with a quote from Isaiah uh, 54. Uh, It's written in the prophets, um, and they shall be taught of God. You know, Isaiah 54 speaks about God's future restoration of Jerusalem uh, to intimacy with himself. And by applying this text to Jesus' ministry, Jesus Jesus is claiming uh, that those blessings of intimacy with the Father uh, are already being experienced in his ministry. Uh, So God's promise to Jerusalem is being fulfilled now. You know, those who, who know Jesus' real ide- identity understand this, um, uh, but this is going to be a hard lesson for his opponents. But look what Jesus is doing here. He's explaining the way that the Father draws people to himself. And he does so by teaching, as the rest of the verse makes clear, everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. You see, to listen and to learn require humility, which is a key characteristic in the disciples uh, in this gospel. The one who listens to God and learns will be taught by God and be drawn to Jesus. For Jesus is the one who speaks God's word and manifests God's presence. And so here we have a very profound reflection on the mystery of the roles between the divine and the and the human in in. Uh, 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 someone's coming to faith faith itself includes receptive openness to god and so the drawing by god and the reception of the person are 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 so intimately woven together or interwoven jesus claimed that everyone who listens and learns from god will come to him is both a comfort and a challenge isn't it it's comforting because it says no one who is really open to god will be left out. But at the same time, it's also a challenge because it is another one of Jesus' claims that require supreme authority. God has indeed not left himself without a witness. And general revelation has made something about the truth of him known, uh, and certainly through the scriptures. Um, But all such knowledge of God is, 
is is partial and it finds its fulfillment and point of reference in Jesus. And so all revelation um, before or outside of Jesus leads one to come to him. And so consider when a Jew or a Muslim or a Buddhist or an atheist or any other type of a religious person who has clearly learned from God sees Jesus in truth, uh, not as he's often revealed by Christians poor witness, but in actual truth, they will realize and recognize in him the fullness of what they've already learned. And so once again, in this gospel, we find the scandal of the Christian claims of Jesus' supreme uh, exclusive exclusivity and supremacy. You know, that's one of the hard things that uh, people struggle with today is the exclusivity of, of Christianity. But Christianity really is exclusive, uh, completely exclusive. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is is not looked on favorably in our world today because it's not seen as very inclusive. But at the same time, again, as this passage shares with us, there is a human uh, uh, um, element of salvation uh, where where Jesus is fully, uh, or I'm sorry, a divine element of salvation where Jesus is fully inclusive, uh, not wishing that anyone to perish. Uh, and so again, we have this we have this this complexity here, this divine supremacy. Uh, of election no one comes to the father uh, except through me and those who come to me are brought to me by my father uh, but then there's that human responsibility as well um, that, that we all must struggle with uh, and wrestle with we have a responsibility when it comes to our our faith look at verse 46 and jesus is going to amp up uh, his supreme authority here he says uh, not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. So Jesus is saying, no one's seen the Father except for me. And truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I will give for the life of this world, is my flesh. Sorry, I kind of butchered that in reading here. Um, Verse 51, let's read that again. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So let's pause there for just a moment and consider these last two verses and what Jesus is saying. Jesus starts off and he says, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Uh, Only he has seen the Father. And Jesus shift here, look, he shifted from hearing God to to seeing him. And that's probably significant throughout the Old Testament uh, it's saturated with references of people who heard from God but it's more ambiguous about those who have received a vision of God 
And so the emphasis in this gospel is that no one has seen God, yet those who have seen Jesus have seen the Father, and Jesus will make that explicit in John chapter 14. And for John, it's got to go beyond just seeing God, but but seeing God and having that relationship leads to eternal life. The believer not only encounters God, but actually comes to share in his life a, a thought that's going to be uh, further developed later. So Jesus now concludes this section of, of our reading today uh, uh, by returning to the story of God's provision of manna in the wilderness. And again, he repeats the claim to be the bread of life and draws out the significance uh, of the word life. This bread that he speaks of is food that keeps one from dying in contrast uh, to the manna that was eaten by the wilderness generation who uh, eventually died. Obviously, any food keeps one from dying for a period of time. Um, it sustains life. Jesus, however, is talking about food that is much more powerful than just regular food. Uh, for the one who eats of this bread will live forever. Look at verse 51. Uh, he will live forever. It is God's own life that is shared through this bread. And so what sort of bread could give this eternal life? Jesus' teaching comes to a head as he declares, This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The word that, that, that became flesh in chapter 1 verse 14 now says that he will give his flesh for the life of the world so that the world may have life. Giving of life to the world, uh, in verse 33, requires that he give his flesh. And of course, that that suggests sacrifice. Christ's death is indeed a sacrifice on behalf of his flock, uh, which we'll talk about in chapter 10. Uh, his death is a sacrifice on behalf of the Jewish people which he'll talk about in chapter 11, uh, and the nations, and his disciples, and many, many more. And so this crowd has now received the interpretation of the sign that they had uh, previously requested in verse chapter 6, verse 30, if you remember. They, they asked for the interpretation of the sign of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, earlier before that, they had asked for a sign uh, to to bring legitimacy to Jesus' action um, uh, in the temple, and and he had spoken of the temple as his body and and his death and resurrection, and and now this crowd has received this teaching about the manna and his flesh and how uh, the divine gift of eternal life will be given through the Messiah's death, uh, and it's, it's cryptic saying. In, indeed, I mean, Jesus' words here are hard to hear, uh, and his reference to his flesh only heightens the scandal, as we'll see in the next scene. But, but let's pause today and just consider these 10 verses that we've read, uh, verse 41 through 51, and see what it, what it is uh, that Jesus has, has said and how we can apply it. Uh, first of all, Jesus says, look, guys, there is still, uh, even still, there is a divine action in salvation and a personal responsibility uh, in, in uh, salvation. Um, 
the question that we should ask ourselves is, am I taking that that personal responsibility in my walk with the Lord? Uh, am I being taught of God? Am I being drawn to the Father? Um, am I drawn to Bible reading and study and prayer time? As we see in our text today, there is a... Um, Certainly, God's divine action in in bringing us to Himself, uh, but there's also our response, our um, a faithful response, which is what Jesus is throwing out to these uh, Jews who are now grumbling about Him. He's calling them to repentance and to trust uh, and to faith. And uh, as we'll see tomorrow, they're not going to respond appropriately. Um, but what about us today? Will we respond appropriately to Jesus' words? Will we lean into him as our source of life, not just for today, but for eternity? Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in today to Leesburg Daily. Uh, Join with us again tomorrow morning as we pick up in verse 52. God bless, take care, and thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily.